Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you from our humble abodes where my hair has not gotten any shorter. But Wes, your beard is gone, my friend. What happened over the weekend? I lost a bet. No, uh, oh, okay. I, no, it was funny. So a couple things. One, um, we have been practicing proper social distancing. So when I'm out in public, I've actually been wearing a mask now. The, the beard was getting really itchy and it was annoying to me. So I shaved that off. My favorite story, though, is the fact that my mother, who has been watching Unscripted and been checking some of this stuff out, not a huge fan of the beard. I actually had to go over to my parents' house to pick up my Scotty Pippen jersey because I wanted to wear it for the last dance on Sunday. And I had shaved, uh, and she was through the moon about it. She loved it. She was she, so happy. So here I am, clean shaven again. We'll mix it up. You know, as long as I'm not able to go to a barber, I'm not able to go out to the grocery store as much as I want to and keep forgetting to buy you know, actual shaving cream, I'm sure it'll come back at some point and Mahad will be disappointed. All right. Well, as long as we can keep Mahad happy in the interim, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go for that. Well, we're going to continue our draft preview series as we review the positions on the Packers roster heading into the draft, which is only a few days away now. And today we're going to tackle the linebackers and defensive backs. And Wes, when you look at the Packers linebacking core, I said this in the written piece that uh, has sort of been the, the companion written pieces to our series here on Packers Unscripted, position by position. It's sort of been a, a two-year overhaul of the linebacking core for the Packers. Last year, it was all about the outside linebackers. You sign Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. You draft Rashawn Gary in the first round. That position group gets an entire overhaul. Now it's the inside linebackers. Blake Martinez is gone. Christian Kirksey has been signed. And there's a lot of talk about just how high the Packers might select another inside linebacker to potentially pair with Kirksey to have a, a duo there in the middle of the defense. Yeah, that is going to be there, – there are two biggest questions I have going in this draft is how the Packers are going to approach inside linebacker because I think there are a lot of dominoes that fall into effect with, okay, if they want to play nickel defense, true traditional nickel defense more in 2020 – you probably need another inside linebacker there to compete with Oren Burks for that job and also to have some more depth at that position. So seeing exactly where they fit and where they stand on hybrid linebacker or traditional inside linebacker, that's a question that still has to be answered because Ibrahim Campbell's still on the market as well. Certainly you have, you know, Raven Green there if they want to go that, that route. So that's number one. Number two is what type of inside linebacker would you be looking for? And this draft has all of them. When you look at Zach Vaughn, uh, the, the toy linebacker, as one team called him at the NFL Combine. He's a guy that I think fits that mold of that Clay Matthews type a little bit where you can rush him, you can have him play coverage. He presents every potential avenue to really exercise his versatility if you want to be more creative in that spot. Then you have your tried and true guys like Kenneth Murray, like Patrick Queen out of LSU. Both of those guys, though, have been kind of shifted. You know, they, they aren't the biggest inside linebackers, but they're quick. I feel like you go back, Mike, nine years ago to when A.J. Hawk started to take some weight off of his body because he knew he needed to get faster at that spot. He knew yeah. he needed to be able to be more in the coverage side of things. And we've never really moved back towards that of the 250, 255-pound inside linebacker as far as if you want to play three downs, you got to be light. So all three of those young guys are very enticing. But the nice thing is for Brian Gutekunst, what he did 
by getting Christian Kirksey, the Packers do have a guy there who's still relatively young and has played that position, has been the communicator in that defense before, so that you don't necessarily have to go first round if they decide to hold off on that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting where the Packers are depth-wise at that position. You mentioned Oren Burks, a third-round pick a couple of years ago. He's now entering his third season. And each of his first two years in training camp, you're seeing some promise. You're seeing him potentially try to carve out a role for himself, and then he gets injured. He's had training camp injuries each of his first two years that have really set him back. And you know how it goes, Wes. If you start missing preseason games – Then once you get into the regular season, the pads are only on once a week in practice. It's really hard to regain that lost time. And I think that is something that has affected Burks his first two years. So he'll be looking to stay healthy and and make his run at a role on this defense. And then you have Curtis Bolton undrafted a year ago out of Oklahoma. He was the guy who was looking like he would be the starter next to Blake Martinez after Oren Burks got hurt in training camp last year, but then Bolton got hurt. He blew out his knee. His, he was gone for the season. He's another guy who is on the roster coming back. Obviously, you know, we'll see what happens with coming back from a significant injury like that. So the Packers have some options there, but yet, they're completely unproven. And as you said, when you look at these guys at the top of the draft at the position, now Isaiah Simmons is from Clemson. He's the guy, he's a top five pick. All right. And all these Packer fans who are wondering, well, what would it take for the Packers (laughs) to trade up from 30? Well, you'd have to trade the entire draft. You'd have to pull a Mike Ditka, Ricky Williams draft in order to get Isaiah Simmons. So just throw that out. That's not going to happen. But you mentioned Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen are your traditional, what are now becoming the traditional three down inside linebackers. I don't know if either one of those guys will be available for the Packers at 30, but we'll see. And then Zach Bond, Bond is so interesting because he was essentially a pass rusher, an outside linebacker at Wisconsin, extremely productive. But then a lot of NFL scouts talking about, hey, this guy can play off the ball. He can play in coverage. He could play an inside linebacker role. But how high of a pick do you use on a guy who would essentially be making a a significant transition like that? I think that's a question for teams to try to answer. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe that's a question the Packers are going to be pondering themselves. So um, we'll see how this, uh, we'll see how this shakes out. But I do think by the end of the draft, the Packers are going to have another guy in the mix at inside linebacker with Burks and Bolton and, Kirksey in that competition to see uh, to see what happens come 2020. Yeah, and a lot has been made, Mike, of the Packers and the inside linebacker situation and if they want to invest a high pick into it or what their commitment is to that spot. I haven't been as excited about an inside linebacker class since 2014 where you had C.J. Mosley and Ryan Shazier and these really dynamic players that both turned out to be really good NFL football players as well. And I see that similarity here, maybe not with the total you know, pedigree or prestige that they're going to be, you know, top 15 picks or top 20 picks. But I still think, you know, whether Murray or Queen is there at 30, you also have Bond in that situation. I think you're going to get a feel by the time that this draft is over on Saturday night, where the Packers feel they stand at inside linebacker, how much urgency there there was to add another body to that room. Because as you mentioned, Oren Burks, I want to put this out there. Oren Burks is an NFL football player. He is a solid special teams guy. The question for him that he must answer is whether or not he can be a starting defensive player in this league. Absolutely. That's going to be his objective right now. And staying healthy is a big part of that because 
the preseason games, as you, you well know, those don't really matter that much. It's the fact that he's been having to sit out of those training camp practices, those padded practices, when you get 15, 18 of them. You want to be able to maximize that opportunity. He hasn't been able to do that. Ty Summers, the seventh-round pick from last year. Summers doesn't have the size of a lot of those inside backers, but the guy can run, and he's mm-hmm. a pretty good athlete. So Bolton, Summers, and, and, and Burks, they give you options there as that number two. But I just feel like whether it is the first round, second round, or maybe into that third day, bringing in another inside linebacker type is going to be really essential for this defense and being able to really push that room and see who you can have potentially step up next to Christian Kirksey. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Ty Summers, too. I didn't mean to ignore him, but certainly a seventh-round pick who made his mark as a rookie on special teams. He'll be looking to take that next step forward in year two of his NFL career like a lot of guys. And before we move on to defensive backs, I don't want to ignore outside linebackers completely. We mentioned the Packers had the Smiths. They have Gary as a first-round pick from last year. Kyler Fackrell, the number four guy in that rotation, he's gone. He left as a as a free agent. So um, the Packers certainly could use another outside linebacker. Randy Ramsey was a guy who was on the practice squad last year. He was an undrafted rookie a year ago. We'll see what happens with his development. I think the Packers will add to that outside linebacker group, but based on the other needs and everything they have elsewhere in the draft, it's hard to envision them using a high draft pick on an outside rusher the way they invested so much in that position a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And, and you got to get Rashawn Gary on the field more. I think he played 21% of the defensive snaps last season. And a big reason for that is because of Kyler Fackrell and, and his ability to play coverage. Uh, I think Fackrell is going to be a really good NFL football player. I think he's going to have a real opportunity in, in New York to expand his horizons a little bit and maybe use his skills on a more consistent basis. Because even though he had that 10 and a half sack season, that's not Kyler Fackrell's game. Kyler Fackrell's game is that he is going to be able to give you some pass rush, but he's also going to be able to play a different you know, type of linebacker role, almost, I don't want to say poor man's Clay Matthews, but in that kind of vein where he can also play coverage in addition to what he does on the line. So the Packers probably need to replace that guy, but in terms of the number, the backup role to the Smiths, that guy has to be Rashawn Gary. I I just, I think you have to be able to get him on the field because for as much of the narrative was, Hey, is Rashawn Gary doing enough as a first round pick? I kept going back to, I don't know if he's really had the opportunities to show that he can do much more than playing out of the dime. And I think he's capable of that. Yeah. I look at this guy as having a very similar skill set to, to Zadarius Smith. If you can get him going, if you can get that second year jump from a guy that's still very young, man, having that kind of change up to, to what Zadarius Smith does, that could really be a challenge for offensive lines throughout the NFL. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Well, moving on to defensive backs, it's interesting, Wes, because in a lot of ways, I look at the safety position much like the outside linebacker position. The Packers did their overhaul of the position last year. You signed Adrian Amos in free agency. You traded up with that second first-round pick to get Darnell Savage. You have your starting pair. And then you mentioned Raven Green as sort of that third safety uh, hybrid linebacker type. Ibrahim Campbell was on the Packers last year. He's still available on the free agent market as another option. So I'm not sure how closely the Packers are looking at safeties in terms of uh, their, their higher picks, you know, day one, day two picks in this draft. But cornerback, that's another situation because while the Packers really like what they have, obviously with Jair Alexander and Kevin King as your one and two, Tremont Williams has not re-signed with the Packers. He's still out there. He's available on the free agent market. Kevin King is going into his contract year. So while the Packers have depth at cornerback, you, you still have Chandon Sullivan. He was brought back. You have um, 
excuse me, Kadar Holman was a sixth round draft pick last year, but very much an unknown because he didn't play a whole lot on defense. The situation at cornerback, I think the Packers are going to be looking at, uh, at some guys in this draft because uh, you just don't know what will happen with King down the line and, and things with Tremont Williams are still a question mark at this point. Yeah, we don't really know where things stand with Tremont Williams. And at the time in which we're taping this, haven't had a chance yet to talk to Brian Gutekunst as far as what the direction they want to go with that nickel cornerback position. Because honestly, Mike, that's the biggest opening right now in terms of maybe not having a guy that's just stepping in there and could be the presumptive starter. You mentioned Sullivan. You obviously mentioned Kadar Holman. Josh Jackson fits into that as well. Uh, you know, their former second-round draft pick from 2018, the other guy that was taken with Jair Alexander. So they do have options. But what do they want to put in that role? Here's the, the position I'm looking at, though, and it, it kind of blends between the two of them. A guy that I keep going back to, and I'm going to be writing about this week in one of the 10 intriguing prospects story I'm doing, is Geno Stone from Iowa. I really like this guy's makeup. And if you look at where the – Packers have had success it's been with those hybrid types of you know a guy that kind of blurs the lines between cornerback and safety and I think Stone does that much like Micah Hyde did and this is a guy that's probably gonna end up being a day two pick maybe early day three I really like his skills in terms of being a guy that could potentially be a backup at safety but also play that nickel star role but getting back to your original point you do have Kevin King coming up on the last year of his contract you do want to have a backup there as well for the outside perimeter guys and this is a sneaky good draft for finding that type of guy. I think there are a lot of parallels right now between the 2018 draft that the Packers got Jair Alexander from and what we're looking at right now with this 2020 group, a lot of different body types, a lot of different skill sets. And as much as you and I have talked about defensive tackles and offensive tackles, that could be a sneaky pick there for the Packers in the first two rounds if they want to go the cornerback route again. Yeah, I agree with you. And a couple other guys we definitely should mention. Uh, second round draft pick from a couple years ago, Josh Jackson. We talked about the injuries that Oren Burks had had his first couple years. The same thing happened to Jackson last year. He's coming off of a rookie season where you could see he was working his way into a, into a role on defense, but then a significant offseason injury really set Josh Jackson back. And then he wasn't able to, to climb that depth chart when Tremont Williams and Chandon Sullivan and all these guys were filling their roles early on in the season last year. So Josh Jackson is a guy who's looking for a bounce back season. And then another one I'll throw out, and I mentioned him in Insider Inbox a couple of weeks ago, KB on Ento, an undrafted rookie from a year ago. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this guy was going to be playing 50 snaps a game on defense for the Packers last year, but you know, Wes, we were watching in training camp last year. This was a young guy who was going to have a shot to make the team. He had a legitimate shot to make the 53, and then he pulled his hamstring running stride for stride with a receiver on a deep ball, made a really, really good play on the ball, but pulled his hamstring, and then that was it. He ended up not being able to make the team, spent the year on the practice squad when he was healthy. So that's another guy to keep an eye on here coming back. As they say, Wes, especially in this day and age in the NFL, a passing-oriented league, you can never have enough cornerbacks. And, you know, I don't even know if I would say cornerback would be a sneaky pick necessarily high in the draft for the Packers because in this league, man, you're going you're gonna to have four cornerbacks on the field quite a bit. If you don't have five or six who can really play on your roster, you are one injury one injury away from being in dire straits potentially at that position, depending on matchups with a certain opponent. 
Yeah, two things I want to mention here. One, if we would have had an offseason or a rookie orientation program, which I don't think we're going to be able to get, at least in the traditional media sense, right. uh, one of the things I wanted to do as a day two story was looking at how many guys the Packers have actually brought back from their practice squad last year. I would say half of those guys ended up spending the entire year there, Ramsey among them and Ento among them. That's a huge benefit to have that kind of institutional knowledge of the system, in addition to the few guys that ended up getting elevated throughout the course of the year. Two, and you can clip this, Marvin, back in the studio if he wants to. I still maintain, and if I end up being wrong, people can take this clip. They can, they can send it to me. They can tweet it at me. They can put it on my doorstep. <laughs> Josh Jackson's going to be a starting cornerback in this league. I am fully convinced of it. I know there have been some ups and downs, but he has the size. He has the playmaking. And I feel like if he stays healthy, this guy is one of the people that has been completely slept on. I know there's been hits and misses over the last five, six years with cornerbacks. I don't get that feeling from Josh Jackson. And he kept up a great disposition despite adverse circumstances, despite being a game day and active once last season. He didn't yeah. complain. He, he went through a lot last year that I think people don't realize. And he still was a professional about it. And here's the, here's the baseline too. The guy's a really good special teams player. In my opinion, he was their best gunner last season. So at the bare minimum, I think you're looking at a Jared Bush type that can play multiple positions on defense, even if he isn't a starter, and give you a solid contributor on special teams. But Josh Jackson, he's a guy that I think a lot of people have forgotten about, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I'm really interested to see what happens with Josh Jackson here heading into year three. And while we're at it here, Wes, we'll just uh, we'll hit on special teams for a moment because you mentioned how Jackson's had that role. Oren Burks has had that role. Will Redmond is sort of, you know, in that third, fourth safety range. He's another guy the Packers brought back. He tied Oren Burks for the team lead in coverage tackles last year. So bringing back Will Redmond and then also obviously the Packers re-signed Mason Crosby and they brought back Tyler Irvin, who sparked the return game at the end of the year. The Packers are showing a definite commitment here to special teams and where things are headed under special teams coordinator Sean Manninga, who was just a first-year coordinator last year. And obviously, I'm sure he learned a lot heading into his second year in that position in the NFL. So with the Packers having five draft picks in the sixth and seventh rounds coming up here this weekend, those are the kinds of picks where you might see you know, yes, those are not guys you're drafting thinking they're going to step in and start at linebacker or at safety or whatever. But those are guys that if they've got some special teams ability, they can make their mark as a rookie and then and you upgrade your special teams and then see where their careers go from there. The Packers have the draft capital in the late rounds to try to find those guys if, if they want to. The foundation has been set is the biggest thing. I remember talking to Mason Crosby at the end of last season, just how much he appreciated the fact that, okay, he has the same punter. He has the same holder. He has the same long snapper. Again, it had been five years since he really had any semblance of consistency in that two areas. And he felt like that contributed a lot to his career year. Getting him back in the fold was huge. But as you mentioned, I think this is something you really got to take a deep look at. For many years, the Packers focused on young guys, undrafted free agents, and that's fine. That's well and good. But a lot of times, those guys ended up playing a lot of special teams for them. This year, the way that they've approached this now, you got to remember, Will Redmond is a former third-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. uh, you have guys like Oren Burks and, and Alan Lazard and, and Ty Summers. Uh, you even look at a Robert Tanyan. They, they have guys that have built up a core of those special teams units that play multiple spots and multiple variations of those phases. 
that's big, Mike, because when the Packers were at their best in special teams, and I would maintain that was right around 2012, right at the end of where Randall Cobb was still handling returns, it was because they had Jared Bushes. It's because they had Jamari Lattimore's. They had these guys that were defensive players and, and obviously could help out in that phase, but also were really solid on special teams. I think you're seeing them get back to that so that if they do find a guy in the sixth or seventh round that could help out, there is some other guys there that it's not all on these young guys to be able to fill out those teams. Yeah, and those are, those are the types of things that as, as we talk about the Packers being only one game away from the Super Bowl a year ago, obviously they're hoping to take that next step. When you talk about guys like Jared Bush, he had an interception in the Super Bowl as a backup defensive back. Frank Zombo had a sack in the Super Bowl as a backup linebacker and a special teams guy as an undrafted rookie. So you never know where exactly these guys are going to make an impact. And when they do, it's all about putting together that first, the best 90 man roster you can, then the best 53 man roster you can to move forward into the season. Absolutely. And, and that's the intriguing part of it because you don't know when you draft guys, you don't know what they're going to turn into. You don't know where they're going to fit. Sometimes Jeff Janis ends up being an offensive, the type of Jeff Janis player ends up being an offensive revelation. Sometimes he just ends up being a really good four-year contributor on special teams. Those are the type of things that you just have to draft the talent, figure out where you think they fit best and let training camp, let the process play out because yeah, you don't go claiming Jared Bush back in 2006 believing that okay well this is going to be a special team stalwart for us for nine years you just got to let the situation unfold and see where they can potentially give you the biggest boost yeah absolutely well with that we will sign off on this edition of packers unscripted we'll have one more draft preview episode coming up on wednesday this week wes i'm going to throw some of uh, the hypotheticals at you with regards to the Packers. First, we get the hypotheticals and inside. You know, I love hypotheticals, Mike. Yeah. So I'm going to toss them at you and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll throw them back and forth a little bit on Wednesday show as we get ready for Thursday's draft. But for now, thank you for watching everybody. Take care, stay safe, and we will see you next time.